You are your best advocate. No one will fight as hard for you or put in the effort as you will. Don't forget that. And welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of HEAL. Today we have on Jessica Baladad. She is a breast cancer survivor who has created an app that helps women to do self-breast exams as well as advocate for their own breast health. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am so glad to be here today. Your, your story and your app, I think, need to get out to everybody. So I'm doing my part here on this podcast. Um, so many women I know have had breast cancer um, and breast cancer scares. So I'm excited to have you. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your story? And uh, I guess before you answer that question, <laughs> I'm thinking, well, that's why she's here. But before you answer that question, um, I just want to thank you because I know that this can be a very private and difficult thing to talk about. So I appreciate your honesty and your openness to discuss because your story will definitely help others. So do you mind sharing a bit about your journey to um, finding out how you had breast cancer and what you've done since? Uh, yeah, um, I don't mind at all. Uh, thank you for having me and giving me a place to share my story, to reach um, other women, other people uh, who need this kind of advocacy in their life. And maybe um, I may be able to make a difference in someone who learns about this. Um, when I was 18 years old, uh, I was a freshman at Western Kentucky University. I was a journalism student. And I was on my way to class one day and uh, I noticed that I had a pain in um, my right breast. So I went to class and I felt the lump and I went to health services right away. Are you um, telling me that you had pain and you felt the lump right away like that? So it was kind of an accident. Um, I should so back up. Yeah, I should back up a little bit. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you can had, start wherever you want to start. I was just, yeah. I, I was under the impression that most times you don't feel discomfort. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll back, I'll back it up a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> um, so really my story begins when I was a freshman in college. I was, well, actually I had just graduated high school getting ready to start college. And I was, I had um, multiple jobs. I came home from one job in the food service industry. I took a shower and that's where I actually accidentally stumbled upon a lump in my breast. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is this? It's cancer. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to die. Oh my God, breast cancer right. runs in my family, you know, and I started freaking out. It was a complete accident. Um, I ended up going to the gynecologist for the first time um, at 18 years old. And she was like, you're fine. It's a cyst. It'll go away with your menstrual cycle. I said, okay, had my menstrual cycle. I thought it got smaller because I couldn't really feel it or notice it. And I'm like, oh, I guess it's just doing what it's supposed to do. 
and I went about my life. So yeah, I was on my college campus walking to class. I had yeah. a pain in my right breast and I get to class and I could, I could feel the lump. I was kind of feeling it up underneath my backpack right. and um, trying not to be too obvious, you know, and, trying to, <laughs> and I just, I ended up, I just got up and left and I'm like, I got to go to the doctor. I got to, I went to health services on wow. campus. Yeah. Um, the doctor there, she examined me and she's like, I'm going to send you for imaging. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so a few days later I went for imaging I was in class a few days later, got a call from the doctor on campus. She's like, come by and see me. Oh no. Yeah, I'm like, oh, well, you know, she wants me to come by and see her. She didn't sound like she was panicked. So, you know, I took my time getting there and um, I came in and I saw her and she's like, well, you don't have a cyst. It is a solid mass. And, you know, again, I'm 18 years old. I'm like freaking out. And no so kidding. then- uh, I called my parents. We made appointments in my hometown um, in Nashville. It was about an hour away from where I was going to school. And I saw some of the same doctors and physicians that um, people in my family had seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because, um, you know, breast can- I'm the fourth generation on my dad's side of the family to have breast cancer. That's amazing. Yeah. Can I ask you a weird question? Sure, go ahead. There's nothing too weird, I promise. (laughs) Is, uh, did your dad's side of the family grow up in the same area where you're living? They did not grow up in the same area where I was living. Okay, Um, just asking for environmental factors and yeah. Yeah, I'll actually, so I, I can get to that, but I will say, so they grew up in Northeastern Kentucky, coal mines, yep. gas lines. Uh, they drank well water. They lived in a holler where, you know, they, a holler is <laughs> a holler is an area of kind of like a valley in between mountains. It kind of, it goes, I guess some people call it like a valley, but it's in between mountains or hills. And it's just, it's kind of tucked away um, among those areas. And like an isolated valley? Yeah, sort, sort of, yeah, like an isolated valley or it can be up on a hillside sort of tucked away off the road. You say, yeah. oh, so-and-so lives down the holler. It's a Southern <laughs> term that- I'm going to have to look that up when we get yeah. off. I love that. Okay. Okay. The holler. <laughs> they, yeah. So they lived in a holler where uh, they- grew their own crops, drank well water, right down the hill from a coal mine. Yeah. And this was, and I mean, this goes back, you know, at least four generations in my family. It probably goes back further, um, you know, during the industrial revolution, when a lot of this stuff was uh, coming in, you know, playing a role in, you know, modern machinery. Absolutely. Yes. uh, You know, it's the turn of the century, you know. Yep. Yep. um, so, um, my, I had some, uh, family eventually moved down to Tennessee, but Northeastern Kentucky is where they grew up and where my family settled after immigrating mm-hmm. from Europe. 
of centuries ago. <laughs> we don't have to go that far back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So here I am. I was just wondering if truly, if it was more like water in your area or soil and like, is there something else too? Yeah. Not only, gen, you know, genetics. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's curious because I've never tested positive, nor has anyone in my family ever tested positive for a genetic mutation that's been discovered. It oh. all comes back normal, negative, like you're yeah. fine. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not fine. Um, it might say so on paper, but they know something is going on. Uh, right. they, uh, my oncologist believes that they just haven't discovered it yet. Um, but science is always evolving and improving. And it's been almost four years since I've taken a genetic test. So I may take another one um, in, in a couple of years or even a few months. I have a follow-up with my oncologist uh, coming up my diagnosis date is in August. I'm quickly approaching that. So, um, well, I'll see my oncologist and we'll, we'll go over things and where I am and where we are and my current treatment plan and how I'm faring with it. So yeah. well, I, I may take another genetics test and there could be some things that pop up. I don't know. True. It's just, True. yeah. Um, so so sorry, back on track. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> All the doctor on campus, she called me after class. I came and saw her and, you know, she wasn't like super anxious to see me or anything. Tells me it's a solid mass. I make appointments in Nashville uh, to see some of the same uh, doctors and surgeons that family in the past has seen. Mm -hmm. And um, they remove the tumor from my breast, they biopsy it, and it's benign. It's something called a fibroadenoma. Mm -hmm. And it, they're super common in women of hormonal menstruating ages, usually between 18 to 35, even 40, even, mm -hmm. um, according to some of the things that I've read, always talk to your doctor about that stuff because I'm not a doctor and I'm not trying to be one. Um, no, just, just, but your experience is very, is invaluable. Uh, you know, just hearing all of these terms and learning more about, um, your story, I think is going to be super helpful. So yes, you're right. So if you have any questions, definitely call your doctor. Sure. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, <okay>. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that it was that incident that got me into the habit of doing self breast exams and just being mindful of my family history. And um, I would do a self breast exam, you know, every month right after my menstrual cycle. Um, that's what my gynecologist wanted me to do. And every year when I'd see my gynecologist, she would do a clinical exam of my breast to just make sure everything looked okay. Um, throughout adulthood, I saw different um, doctors based on my insurance, not having insurance, stuff like that. Yep. So, uh, you fast forward to March of 2018, and it was time for my annual appointment. And I had been seeing this particular practitioner at a facility for about eight or nine years mm -hmm. at this point, um, maybe even closer to 10. But, you know, I trusted her. We had a great relationship and, you know, I took her word for whatever she said. I had no reason not to trust her. Yep. Um, so, you know, throughout 2018, I had done my self-exam January, February, and I actually skipped it for March because I thought, oh. I'm going to see the, I'm going to see my practitioner. She'll tell me if I have anything, it's all good. Yeah. So I, I did skip it for the month of March because I was going to see her. 
I saw her that month. She did a clinical exam of my breast, didn't say anything, told me to get dressed. Everything's fine. See you in a year. I said, okay, great. Two weeks later, it was time for me to do my self-breast exam. And I was in the shower one day and I thought, you know, I just saw my doctor. Do I really need to do an exam? And I thought, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, no, I need to stay in the habit. I need to do this. Good so to yeah. So I went over my right side. Everything was fine. Went over my left side and about the two, three, four o'clock position, I start to like feel lumpiness or a lump or something that just was not moving. And I yeah. thought, oh my God, this is it. This is cancer. I just turned 33 years old. My birthday's in March. So I thought, I, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I just saw the doctor. Everything's fine. I'm also in the best shape of my life. I can run marathons. I lift weights. I take care of myself. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm not a prude. I just know that my limit is zero. I'm a cheap date. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've turned into a cheap date lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, I just know that my limit is zero. I, you know, I order mocktails all the time to fit in with my friends and they're good, but yeah. Um, so, you know, I, here I am. I, you know, taking care of myself, I thought, wait, I'm too young to get cancer. It only runs on my dad's side of the family and they haven't even found a mutation. Yep. I'm in great shape. I'm young. I'm active. I'm the healthiest one in my family. I'm good. I'm, you know, and the doctor, the doctor did not tell me anything about this. So I went on about my life. And occasionally I would check Dr. Google, you know, because Dr. Google sure does know everything. Let me also say, don't do that, people. Right, exactly. <laughs> I do yeah. it too. And then I get all freaked out. And I just yeah, like, yeah, right. don't do it. No. yeah. Your elbow hurts. It's elbow cancer. Mm, I'm yeah. dying. <laughs> yeah. My elbow will be the death of me. Yeah, <laughs> You're right. So, I mean, Google actually, you know, said, you know, look for a lump, look for discharge, look from your nipple, look for uh, um, different, if it, your breast just feels different, look for a rash, look for redness, look for uh, indentation. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any bleeding. I didn't have, I'm like, it's just a lump. It's probably like the fibroadenoma. I was going to say, did you ever think maybe it's the same thing that I had before and I just have yeah. to get it, yeah. it, it? It felt different but I thought because I was older, it felt different. Yeah. Um, I will say when I was 18, the fibroadenoma, I had it in my right side in the six o'clock position. And it felt like a marble that I could just kind of ping pong back and forth. It was very um, mobile. Like there yeah. was no doubt that it, and it, that's a good thing in, in general, from what I've been told, if a lump can move, that's generally a good sign. Okay. Um, this other lump on my left side in about the three, four o'clock position, it felt, I could wiggle it a little bit. It yeah. kind of felt like a kernel of corn on the cob. You know how you can sort of wiggle it, but it doesn't really move. Yeah. That's, that's how it felt. And I thought, well, I'm older. My breasts are different. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's what it is. And I even got to where I started Googling other reasons that lumps are uh, benign. And I found several reasons why lumps could be benign and that lumps are normal in women's breasts. 
statistically speaking, the National Breast Cancer Foundation says that 80% of lumps in the breast are benign. So it's very common to find lumps in your breasts. And so I thought, well, considering everything else in my health history, I'm good. So my doctor says I'm fine. Uh, that summer, I went on uh, traveling in my career. Um, I'm in marketing full time. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, Chicago and LA and just all over the country. And it was wearing me out. I was getting pretty tired. And I just thought, oh, you know, it's the jet lag time zone changes, all the back and forth, you know, being bloated mm -hmm. on the airplane. And oh, yeah, eating. the airplanes are really harsh on our, our bodies. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just kind of, eating sugary airport food and not the, you know, not the best stuff on the road when it's, I have to grab it. It was easy and fast. Yeah, it was easy. Yeah. Those parfaits that they charge $15 a piece for, you know, they're pretty sugary, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I just thought, you know, I just need to take better care of myself and I noticed that I was taking naps in the middle of the day. We were talking, you know, normally a power nap for me would be about 30 minutes. And I noticed that I wanted to stay asleep an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. I'm having to set an alarm for a power nap. And I thought, wow, this is what it's like to be in your 30s. You just get tired and you're just old, I guess. <laughs> Wait till you get to your 50s. <laughs> And I just thought this is part of, you know, getting older and uh, uh, this is normal and I, you know, this is life or whatever. And, um, you know, I was setting a, an alarm before getting up and going to the gym so I could still make it to the gym. My workouts usually energized me and I was just the neck, you know, usually for a day or two after. And I'm just like, I am dead. Like yeah. I am just um, kind of lethargic, but I didn't feel sick. And I just, again, I thought I need to get my eating right. I need to, you know, something's not, I need to change something up. And then one day I'm, uh, I woke up from a nap and I'm scrolling through my phone on Snapchat. And I came across the story of a girl I had met at my sister's wedding a few months prior. This was back in April of 20, um, yeah, 2018. And she was shaving her head. And I thought, that's weird. And I'm like, I text my sister. I'm like, hey, why is so-and-so shaving her head? And she's like, oh, she's getting ready to start chemotherapy for breast cancer. I'm like, what? She's a year older than me. I'm like, if she's, if she's young enough to have breast cancer, I'm young enough to have breast cancer. I need to get my rear end back to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, no one really knew that I had a lump in my breast, given my family history. I just didn't want to scare or worry anybody. Right. Um, a lot of people ask me, like, didn't your husband know? And I didn't really tell him about it. And he didn't notice it because it was very, very deep into my breast. I do very thorough self-exams. Yeah. Um, he didn't notice it. He just didn't. And so I made an appointment to see the doctor, um, same facility, different practitioner. And I go in and I'm just a nervous wreck. Of course. And yeah. I just, I'm thinking about this girl that I had met and I'm like, I don't know. And I'm Googling in the waiting room. How long does a cyst 
last in your body? How, when does a cyst go away? You know, what are breast fibroids, you know, and mm -hmm. when do they go away? I'm like, I'm on, I discovered this in March. It's now late July, 2018. We're getting ready to go into August. At this time, I have an aunt on my dad's side of the family who's getting ready to pass of stage four breast cancer. My dad's a wreck. My family is just kind of in shambles because at this point we've lost so many family members to cancer and disease. Right. So uh, I'm just thinking like, I can't, I'm like this, please let it be nothing, you know, and I'm praying about it and just like, please just let this be nothing. Please just let me overwork myself into nothing. I see the doctor, she does a clinical exam and um, she's like, okay, get up and get dressed. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm just sort of confused. And, you know, I just see her taking notes and nodding her head and she's not saying anything to me. And quite frankly, at that moment, I'm just, my mind is spinning. I'm like, why isn't she talking to me? And she left the room. I got dressed. She sent in her nurse and her nurse is like, all right, we're going to schedule you for a mammogram. And I'm just like, why? And she's like, well, you know, the, the doctor wants to refer you for a mammogram. I said, well, what did she say? And the nurse is like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, can you go ask? And she's like, well, she's busy right now. I said, well, I why on earth didn't the doctors talk to you? <laughs> well, this is this is where I knew that medical advocacy would be in my calling down the road because yeah. of the situation that's going on right here. I said, well, what did the doctor write down? And the nurse looked at me and said, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. Nice. And I said, well, can you go ask or can you go look? And she's, and she like rolls her eyes at me, huffing and puffing and leaves the room to go check my chart or whatever. And she comes back in and says three words to me, firm, smooth, and dense. I said, is that about the lump? Is that indicative of cancer? She's like, I don't know. I said, well, I have questions for the doctor. Can I see her? And she's like, well, she's busy right now. I said, well, I'll wait. And um, she scheduled my mammogram and the nurse told me, she said, now don't go Googling anything. And I'm like, it's a little late for that. No shit. <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> so, oh my God. Um, the nurse leaves the room and I told her I'm not leaving until I see the doctor. I need to talk to the doctor. I waited an hour and a half. Really? They waited you out. They, they probably yeah. thought you were going to leave. They, yeah. They wanted me to leave. And I'm, I'm in the habit of bringing my phone charger with me anymore. And so I, sometimes I bring my laptop with me and work on the go. If I need to, I have, you know, hot spots and whatnot, but, um, you know, I was just in that room Googling away and, you know, scrolling through social media and all that. And, um, I could hear the microwave running, I could smell food, I could hear people talking and laughing. And, you know, I'm not saying medical professionals don't deserve a break. I'm saying, you know, what you caught on to, they, they were waiting me out. They, they were, yeah, you know, all it took were probably was probably five minutes. Like, I'm, I'm concerned enough to send you to get a mammogram. And that's all you wanted to hear. Right. Yeah. You, know, you didn't need to, she couldn't tell you everything that was happening because she doesn't know. But right. just the fact that she didn't say a word and she left and the nurse came back and 
uh, that's just, it's all very bad. That's all really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was terrified and I was by myself. And mm -hmm. when the doctor eventually did come back in, she's like, I hear you have some questions for me. I'm like, yeah. Um, you know, your note said that the lump in my breast was firm, smooth, and dense. Is this indicative of breast cancer? And she's like, just kind of shakes her head and looks down. She's like, all I know is that it's a lump and that's all I can really tell you. And I'm thinking, okay, fair enough. You can't see through my body, you know, but I'm thinking she's a doctor. She's surely she's felt breast lumps before. And, you know, she's been through schooling to teach her these things. And I'm like, well, okay. I said, well, you know, what is it? And she's like, well, I, I don't know. I just, all I know is that it's a lump. And she's, and she proceeds to tell me that her sister had just passed a breast cancer. And then she looks at me and says, um, can I pray for you? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. Yeah, you can, you can pray for me. And that's when I knew this is bad. This is serious. I've never been to a doctor's appointment where uh, anyone prays for me because I have the sniffles or a UTI or any sort of infection or a sprained ankle. Um, they don't, <laughs> I knew this was pretty bad. This was mm -hmm. serious. I think, I think she knew and probably couldn't confirm it or didn't want to say it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was probably hard for her considering mm -hmm. what she had just gone through in her family. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she prays over me and I'm in tears. She's in tears. And she's, she looks at me again. She's like, no matter what happens, God is going to use you through this. And I just kind of nodded my head and I knew, and I'm like, she knows, she knows mm -hmm. it's the answer. She, she's not going to tell me and, but she knows. And so I remember I dried my eyes and I realized I, it was at that moment I needed to start putting on a brave face. So, um, you know, Very I went family home. And all. Yeah. 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 And um, my sister was on our honeymoon. My husband had just started a job. My dad was driving back and forth from Northeastern Kentucky to, um, to Nashville. Yeah, to see his sister. And it, you know, it's a five hour drive. So I just knew it, it was, it was going to be a lot on everybody. And so I came home and I told my husband, like, um, so I have this lump in my breast. I'm, I'm going to go get a mammogram. And he's like, oh, okay. And my husband's happy-go-lucky, super optimistic. He wasn't dismissive or anything. He just mm -hmm. thought this is probably just a girl thing. Girls have to do this. You know, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what he was thinking probably. Um, and he's like, I'm sure she's, he probably thought the same things that I did. Oh, she's in shape. She's, you know, she's good. She's going to be fine. And he kind of looked at me. He's like, can I get this pair of Nikes? Like he's a sneaker head. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, good. I'll let him change the subject. You know, I was fine with that. I was totally fine with that. And so, um, <laughs> and I, uh, a couple days later, I showed up for my first mammogram ever. And I, I was just shaking. I was, I was just, I could not stand still for this thing. And then, you know, they're telling me to hold my breath and the machine and I'm taking very shallow breaths. I can't take a deep breath to save my life. <laughs> and they're like, ma'am, you're going to have to like take a deep breath. I'm like, <gasps> oh, it's not the most comfortable thing to go through, especially with the fear that you had in your mind already. So, right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So eventually I was able to just calm down enough for them to get imaging and they immediately send me to get an ultrasound, ultrasound and then an and MRI and then a yeah. biopsy. And then I <laughs> <laughs> during the ultrasounds, you know, they're going over my breast, the tech is, and she gets to the left side and I just hear the space bar on her computer, just ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. And I'm thinking, I don't know what's going on inside my breast, but that lump is like acting like an influencer on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I was just sitting there posing for pictures, like probably checking up deuces. Like, so I don't, funny. Oh. <laughs> just like, what is going on? And so, uh, She's like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get the radiologist. I'm like, oh, great. I'm not going to get a letter in the mail that says, come back next year. I'm going to talk to the doctor right here and right now. Yeah. So in comes this guy who's, you know, maybe five or six years older than I am. And uh, that was kind of like a reality check. Like, wow, I'm old enough. Like doctors are my age now, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I'm, um, the doctor is going over my breast with the tech and he's looking at the screen and she's got the wand thingy, whatever you want to call it. And yep, she, I think it's a wand. Yeah. And she's going over my breast and he's like, go up her arm, go up her arm. And he's going, she's going up my arm and he's like, stop, wait, get that lymph node, that big one. And I'm like, lymph node. And I, I mean, I knew that that did it for me. And I yeah. like grabbed his arm and I'm just like, I'm looking at him and I'm just not saying anything. I don't think I'm breathing either. And he's like, look, he's like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I've seen this before and I'm pretty sure it's cancer. And I just exhaled. And yeah. I just, my first thought was, okay, finally, I know what it is. <laughs> you know, I, I know what this thing is. So there was actually a moment of relief. And then right behind relief was fear. Yep. Like, oh my God. I'm dying. Uh, oh my. And then it was like, oh my God, I got to tell my family. And that hurt worse than the idea of dying. Um, yeah. You know, I was by myself and they could tell that like, I just went stoic. I was in shock and um, they knew I was by myself and they're like, ma'am, we're not going to let you leave here alone. We don't think you should drive. Yeah. And then, well, I'm going to need your help calling my family because I hardly <laughs> know my name right now. <laughs> so, um, you know, I called my mom. She lives in North Dakota or did live in North Dakota at the time. And I'm like, uh, mom, I have this lump in my breast and I don't remember what I said. I just passed the phone to the technician and um, the technician gave the phone back to me and uh uh, and my mom's like, I'm on the next flight there. I'm like, okay, I'll see you when I see you. Um, then I called my dad and oh, I'm going to get emotional. That was hard because yeah. of everything going on with my aunt, his sister. And um, I said, Hey dad, what are you doing right now? Um, and he was, you know, working. I said, um, I need you to stop what you're doing and listen to me. I need you. I, I really need you right now. And I mean, I know I'm like, you know, at that time, you know, I'm 33, but you never stop needing your parents sometimes. And um, I just really needed my dad. And yeah. um, I was like, 
so I have this lump in my breast and um, I'm, I'm here at the women's center and uh, hang on a second. And I just, I couldn't say it. And um, I passed the phone to the technician and the technician uh, told my dad what I needed to know or what he needed to know. He gives the phone back to me and uh, he's like, all right, um, meet me at the house, um, at his house. He said, okay, I can do that. And then I called my husband. With my husband, my happy-go-lucky, like happy-go-lucky, life-loving, adventurer husband, who um, my biggest cheerleader in everything. I called him at his new job and I said, hey, I need you to leave right now and meet me at my dad's house. He's like, what's going on? I couldn't say it. I said, just meet me at my dad's house. Just meet me at my dad's house. I couldn't, I couldn't tell him. Like, I couldn't say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't say anything. And so I hung up the phone and I knew my dad was sending uh, my stepmom to come get me. And uh, the thing is, my aunt who was passing was her best friend. And so I know it was really hard for her as well for mm-hmm. so many reasons. And, mm-hmm. you know, on the way home uh, from that facility to my dad's house, we, we just talked and stuff because we were actually talking about this recipe and these um, special oil that makes a sandwich taste amazing. So we were talking about that. And um, she was driving me through some areas of new construction. I'm like, oh my gosh, this place is like growing and so many people moving here and it's just really booming. And then I had this thought in my head. I'm like, am I going to live to see what this looks like? Wow, what a thought. I know. I'm like, like, yeah, like I didn't say that out loud, not to her, mm-hmm. you know, but it was something that crossed my mind. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's just all this newness. Like, will I get to see it come to fruition? Like, am I going to be around by the time this, these houses, these subdivisions are built, these businesses, uh, you know, open. And I'm like, am I going to get to enjoy that or experience that? Am I going to get to see it? You know, um, just all these things like, right you really get the a concept of your mortality in that, yeah. in that moment. So on the way there, I'm calling and texting my friends in my hometown. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be at my dad's house. Can you come over? It's really important. It's really urgent. And when my friends know that I called them for stuff, you know, usually they call me for things, but when I'm like, I need you right now, they know it's serious. So many, you know, some of them dropped everything they were doing and, um, came over and um my husband's there my dad's there you know stepmom friends are there and I'm like all right here's why I have gathered you here let me tell you how we got to this point and I told right. them everything yeah. the secrets that I had been keeping and hiding from them and I just it was such an out-of-body experience it's like the the rational part of my brain took over and was very, it was like I was giving a PR statement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm telling, yeah, this is what's going to happen. I have a, we have a biopsy tomorrow at, you know, such and such hospital, you know, if anyone wants to go with me, that's fine. Well, and, first of all, I'm so glad things worked what like went that fast for you. And then, oh, then it was like, rapid fire. Yeah. Um, one of the things, uh, after I, you know, I called my family, the um, radiologist came in the room and was like, can you be at, uh, the hospital at eight o'clock tomorrow morning? I can do your biopsy. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> what do I have going on? You know, you have to. Yeah. And I think things <laughs> yeah. have to happen that fast. I'm just grateful that it did. Yeah. So he, um, 
you know, here I was alone for all these appointments leading up to it. And then from every appointment going forward, no one left me alone. I was probably so mad at you for not saying anything before. Too. Yeah, they had, they had some feelings about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, anytime I needed privacy in a doctor's office and I had to kick people out, you know, it was, they understood, and, right. you know, um, you know, boundaries were in, set and enforced. Um, uh, you know, a whole entourage of friends and family came to my uh, biopsy. And <laughs> so it just reminds me of a story and I <laughs> go for it. It's, I, I, I can't make it long. I'll try to be brief. I was a kindergarten teacher. I was a teacher for 16 years, but when I was teaching kindergarten, there was this, the first day of school, this little boy came into the first day of school and the way that the building was set up was there was a, an entrance and then two hallways that split. One went left, one went right. Mm-hmm. Kindergarten was to the right. And I was on the back side of the building. It was a flat building. And, um, we would wait out front for all the kindergartners on the first few days of school, all the kindergartners, the whole class is there and then we're all going to walk in together. So they all figure out how to get to the class together. And then, you know, after a week, we let them come in all by themselves. So the first day of school and every day that we met the kids out front, there was this one little boy who literally had an entourage. I would call them his posse and they would peek in every window as he walked down the hallway. That's great. It's all I can envision with your with your family. Yeah, um, my oncologist and the nurses were like, "Here comes Jessica and her entourage." I'm like, "Yup." And I mean, you're squeezing. You need that though. You need that. Not only do you need that, but hospitals, I think, also need to see that you have people there that are caring for you. Mm -hmm. And that sounds bad, but I do think that it's a perception of they're going to check in on me. You know, they're going to watch us take care. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And you know, I, you know, for, for my biopsy, I went in and the radiologist was doing his thing. And there was this one point he needed to, he said he was going to inject me with epinephrine to uh, help with bleeding internally and whatnot. And I'm like, is that going to speed up my heart rate? He's like, yeah, it probably will. I said, look, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink caffeine. I'm really, uh, I'm an anxious person. I said, I got this. I said, I can speed up. I can, I'm like, you're not going to need the epinephrine. Watch, watch, watch. And, and he's like, okay, well, if you don't want it. And so he, he, there he was watching everything. And I'm just thinking about cancer. And he's like, you are doing a great job. I said, I told you, I got <laughs> you good at becoming anxious. Thank yeah. You. I said, I can do this. You don't need to do my anything. Superpower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> superpower. Exactly. Um, he finished up and I gave myself like a moment to break down. Cause I didn't want to do it in front of my family. And, um, which was great. They respected that they understood. And they told me to take my time and, I told him, this was on a Friday, and I said, hey, um, is there any way to expedite this? You know, I'll pay you up front for it to get it done sooner. And he just kind of politely smiled and was like, I understand your concern. Our labs aren't open over the weekends, but as soon as I know something, I'll be giving you a call probably in the evening. And, you know, I said, okay, I go out, I put on my brave face for my entourage, and um, I said, well, we don't know anything till we know anything. So uh, who's hungry? I'm starving. Yeah. So I just kind of switched it immediately to food, to talk about food. Yeah. And um, food heals yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, you know, we went out to eat and we're just kind of casually talking about, you know, 
what everyone's been into and have you know stuff coming up and and things like that so uh the weekend passes my dad went to Kentucky um to be with his sister my aunt and my mom at this point was able to make it in town and uh I was at home my mom was staying with me my husband was at home with me um because his work told him to take some time with me if he needed it that was great yeah they've been amazing my husband's employer is so awesome good and um I told my mom and my husband, I said, look, the, the phone call is probably going to come in the evening. You're going to see me run away to take the call. Please do not follow me. I need some privacy. I see my phone ring a little after five o'clock. I, I knew who it was. And so I grab my phone. I run upstairs. I run in my bedroom. I run in the closet because it's kind of the deepest part of the room. And I take the call and the radiologist says, hey, this is Dr. Tran, you know, I told you last week that I thought this was cancer. Well, it is indeed cancer. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm like, well, thank you for telling me. I'm so glad I know something. Um, I come out of my bedroom. There's my mom and my husband standing against the door. Of course. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all, come on. And, um, and they're like, I would, have, well, I would have done the same thing if I was, yeah, remember. I get it. I mean, I, looking back, I get it now. And it's, and they're like, so what do you say? I'm like, it is. And they're like, it's what? I said, it is. And like, it's what? And I couldn't say it. I'm like, yeah, it's cancer. And then like, they both were all breaking down right there in the hallway. And I'm like, all right, I need some space. I need to call dad and um, let him know. And then like my mom and my husband, they went to make phone calls to family members. Yeah. I called my dad and um, my aunt had passed at this point and they were just making arrangements. And he's like, I'm going to make a phone call to your aunt Debbie's oncologist, the aunt who I um, was in Tennessee. Uh, my oncologist has seen my aunt, my grandmother, because for a time she lived in Tennessee also and with, and had breast cancer. And now he would be seeing me. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So um, his, the oncologist's office called me back and said, can you be here, here at eight o'clock tomorrow morning? Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. I said, I don't think I have anything going on or not anything that's more important at this point. Right. And I uh, showed up and I learned that my oncologist actually wasn't taking patients that day. They had a training day, but he really wanted to see me given my family history. And Hell yeah, that's the good person you want in your team. Yeah, he's a huge advocate for for me and my family. And I mean, he's seen my family die. Like, I mean, he has. And I hate to, I hate to interrupt you, Jessica. I hate to do this, but I think we should take a real quick break. Sure. Um, and on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about your journey, and then we'll um, get to the app because I think that's going to be crucial in in people um, being able to know how to do a proper self breast exam and to advocate for themselves. So we'll be back in just two seconds. So we're not going far, be right back. Thank you so much for coming back. This episode of Heal features Jessica Baladad. I love saying your name, Jessica Baladad, who is a breast cancer survivor. We just learned of her story, how she learned she had cancer. Um, and she also, we're gonna talk after we learn about her treatment 
and how she's doing now, of course. We're going to talk a little bit about the app that she has created that helps women to do self-breast exams and helps women to learn how to advocate for their own breast health. So welcome back, Jessica. Thank you so much for sharing all of your story and and oh my it's it's very emotional i actually lost a sister to breast cancer myself and i know i didn't tell you that but i had um and since her passing i had gotten i've been getting mammograms every single year um and i was probably in my early 30s so i was also early getting mammograms um and i had an ultrasound and i had an mri all good <laughs> knocking on wood um but yeah, it's pretty frightening to be in the office and you get a mammogram. Well, first of all, you were very young, so you didn't even have a mammogram at the time, but then they sent you right away and then right to the ultrasounds, you know, like all of that is very frightening. Um, but you've got a great support system too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. There. Yeah. Emphasis on the support, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about where you where you are in your story. You're about to start your treatment. Um, and so how did that go? Yeah, so I saw the oncologist and I'm filling out all this paperwork and it's just so many questions about my life and my lifestyle. Yeah. And filling it out, I'm getting angry. Yeah. I don't understand how I got cancer. Yeah. I think and, that's the normal process. It's the grieving process. Right. You, know, you get really angry at one, at some point. Yeah. So I was definitely in that anger phase, filling out the paperwork. Um, and I just realized this, my body was instantly becoming medicalized. You know, I remember just handing my arms to the nurses who were taking vials of blood. Yep. from each one where they could produce a vein. I, my blood pressure runs low in a healthy way. And um, so it's hard for me to produce a vein. And I remember I'm trying to do a tricep push-ups in the chair to get blood flowing and I to get a vein. So yeah. And I always joke, I'm like, I, I suck at doing drugs, y'all. I can't produce a vein. <laughs> um, but they're like, oh, give yourself, you know, a couple days. We're going to help you with that. I'm like, what do you mean? And so then I learned that I would have a surgical port put in my vein, uh, by my collarbone called it's a, just a chemo port that they would have to use over and over again it's definitely um more uh, efficient for uh, my treatments and, yep. and drawing blood and whatnot so did my preliminary um blood counts and actually my blood counts with the exception of my white blood cell count everything was normal, but that blood, that white blood cell count was pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's Which I think like, is normal when you have something like that. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, Ooh, and, um, I instantly, I'm having to familiarize myself with all these medical acronyms for, for blood work. And mm -hmm. I got really good at it. And because I realized if I became good at it and I knew what it was and I could ask questions and communicate better with my doctor, I knew it would, be, that would serve me well going forward throughout my Absolutely. treatment. Absolutely. And I also might eliminate some of the anxiety of just yeah. not knowing what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was getting familiar with all the medical acronyms that were pertinent to me. Uh, I got my chemo port put in. And then the next day after that, I started my first chemotherapy treatment. 
I had so many people with me that day that, um, so you have your chemotherapy room where everyone is in these recliners doing therapy. Um, I say that, um, you know, chemo was so easy that I, you know, I, I did it with my eyes closed, but that's because I slept so much, Yeah. <laughs> but you know, chemo was not the easiest thing in the world for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, my family had to take turns being in the regular waiting room and the chemotherapy room because there were so many of them, they would trade off. <laughs> and I know like in between um, bags of chemo, I'd wake up and I'm like, there's my dad. And then I'd open my eyes, there's my mom. Like, and there's my husband. And you know, there's so-and-so, <laughs> you know, like I'd wake up. It's a You're new so person. lucky when it comes to that. Seriously, I know we joke about it, but you know, there are people that don't have that support. And I think it's yeah. probably made the huge difference for you. Yeah, I, I did see some of that as well. Um, I, I, I did see, so I, I made friends, I made cancer friends that um, we would keep each other company. Um, there's a young gentleman, uh, not even 40. And it's so funny because every, well, it's not, but funny for me that every time they give you a bag of fluids or medication, you have to repeat your name and date of birth. And I remember thinking, I better get a birthday party out of this or some sort of party. <laughs> Y'all keep asking me, but this one guy, I knew him by his birthday and he wasn't even 40 and he was there for colon cancer. Yeah. And I thought, wow, oh my gosh. Like, and then there was like another girl I had met who was only a few years older than me with breast cancer. I'm like, there are young people in here. Like this yeah. is not like older. I mean, of course there were older people too, but I'm like, it almost makes me think that the, um, the, the minimum age for mammograms should be a bit younger. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I agree. And it was just kind of surreal to me, but I did, um, you know, 16 rounds of chemotherapy in the middle of chemotherapy, my body started breaking out into rashes that really, uh, I had acne in high school and my acne in high school didn't look anything like this. And it, mm -hmm. it was bad. Like I, here yeah, I was losing my hair. I was losing my nails and my face was destroyed. You know, parts of my body were destroyed. I'm like, I couldn't go out in public. No, um, I probably didn't want to either. Just I, yeah, I wasn't going to the gym anymore. I didn't like, I was hiding and I'm like, I cannot believe I look like this. Yeah. And, um, at one point my oncologist asked me, he's like, if you want, we can send you straight to surgery, but you have four more treatments left. And I'm like, let's go, like go hard or go home. You know, I would show up, you know, they give you the medic, the, the chemotherapy based on your weight. And here I was losing weight, but I would wear the heaviest clothing possible. I so could have the most medicine. Yeah. I'd stuff my pockets. I'd chug water. I would eat, you know, just so that my stomach and everything sat heavy on that scale. Mm -hmm. Um, so it would weigh me more than what I really was. And, yeah. um, uh, well it, chemotherapy, it knocked me on my ass. Like it, yeah. it, yeah, it was, I had a rough time with it, but I will say that modern medicine is amazing. They would give me Ativan and different nausea medications. Um, Ativan is normally used for anxiety, but in the cancer community, we say, hey, let's go for a ride on the Ativan because you can't get nauseous if you're unconscious. <laughs> oh, so you just slept. 
<laughs> I slept, yeah, slept a lot. And um, yeah, I beat cancer with my eyes closed. Yep. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I, I went through the 16 rounds of chemotherapy. A few weeks after that, I had a double mastectomy. And um, after that, I went and saw my breast surgeon and I'm thinking, please, no radiation, please, no radiation. I'm ready to be done. I want, you know, I can see my baby bird hair starting to come back Yeah, and be done and live my life and get reconstruction. And, you know, because if I had to do radiation, then I'd have to put reconstruction off for a year. And this, at this point, it was, I was in 2019. This is yeah. early 2019. Oh my God. Can I you imagine that. if you had to put that off for a whole year? Yeah. So <laughs> funny you Did say you have that. to? <laughs> the, the breast surgeon came back with my pathology. She got clear margins. I mean, she got everything. Uh, she took several lymph nodes out of me and she's like, because of the lymph nodes, she's like, I would strongly suggest you do radiation. And I thought I'm, you know, I've seen what cancer has done to my family, go hard or go home. I'm here to finish the battle that started with my family. If she says radiation, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. And if, you know, radiation at this point would be sweeping the floor kind of like when you clean your house and you clean everything you just kind of sweep the floor at the end or mop the floor that's basically it was just destroying any microscopic cell that could have been left behind mm -hmm. um at this point so i'm like i'm not taking the chance you know i was my tumor was like two no my tumor, oh, it was like about 4.2 centimeters, about the size of a golf ball. And I had two diseased wow. lymph nodes. I was stage 2B. It was trying to go into stage 3. And I thought, I, I, need to, I need to destroy every cell. I need to go, you know, go hard or go home. Let's do this. Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to have to live with a flat chest for a year. So I don't fucking care. Excuse my language. It's okay. I don't care. I'd yeah. rather be healthy. Thank you. Right. Exactly. Yep. I thought a year, I can do a year. This is not going to be so bad. It's just a year. Yep. I did um, radiation five days a week for five weeks. It was 24 rounds, almost, almost right there at five weeks, but you know, 24 rounds of radiation. And um, they offered to let me use a facility that was five minutes away from my house and to see uh, the staff there. I looked into the staff because I'm a medical advocate. I go and I kind of look into the doctor's background there and he's got a malpractice suit for something that he ignored from another patient. Yeah. Um, I looked at the patient on Facebook. I saw that I had a mutual friend in common with that patient. I reached out to the mutual friend was a guy I worked with in college. I said, Hey, what do you know about this? And he's like, yeah, I wouldn't see that doctor. It's a nightmare. What so-and-so is going through. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll have to drive an hour back and forth to Nashville from where I live every single day. That's if, okay. If, yep. If that means I get quality care Thank goodness for that, um, for knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. I look up all my doctors. <laughs> Um, so, um, everyone on my medical team, you know, I, is, are, are people I trust because ever since that experience with, um, my original practitioner, I, you know, I look into these things. Good. Yeah. It's a great lesson for everyone to hear. Yeah. Um, so I, I did the radiation and then on May 3rd, 2019, 
I like to say that I am now um, in, I've been redeemed from breast cancer. And I stopped using the word remission because it doesn't sound permanent. And it's almost like, it sounds like permission, like giving you permission to live. So I say, yeah. I am, I'm now living three years redeemed from breast cancer. It was That's May, fabulous. Yeah, May 3rd. 2019 was my date and I'm like yay you know gonna live life and you know I, I knew I had to put my reconstruction surgery off for a year but that time to live life yeah I see my oncologist my regular oncologist and to follow up with him he's like all right so he's like let's talk about you know treatment going on you know from here on I want you on um it's called an aromatase inhibitor and what it does is it prevents your fat cells from turning your fat into estrogen, your, the aromatase. It inhibits aromatase from making uh, estrogen that could potentially fuel future cancers. Yeah. And so um, it's, a, it's a type of chemotherapy pill that I'm still on and will be on for at least another year and possibly up to 10 years. It just depends on what some of um, I'm going to be going through some testing next month that yep. will reveal more about that to me. So uh, I'm currently on that now. Uh, and then we had a conversation about uh, my ovaries and my uterus and my, and he's like, you and your husband, you don't have kids. How do you feel about that? I'm like, we're good. I don't want to pass this, whatever it is. I don't want to pass it down. And we like being the cool aunt and uncle. We're good <laughs> with not having kids. And he's like, all right. He's like, I would strongly recommend a hysterectomy or an oophorectomy, you know, to remove my ovaries. I'm like, well, if I have to do it now, because uh, I really just want to live my life for a little I while. Know, like, give me five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay, okay. Um, so I'm like, all right. I saw the, um, gynecological oncologist about scheduling a surgery date he was going to do it they gave me a little break got to do it and he's like all right let's schedule for december i'm like all right that's a fine i'll do it in december and then i found out the nfl learned about my story and they learned about feel for your life and all of my advocacy work and they're like um we love what you're doing we want to take you to the super bowl so i'm like what <laughs> it's crazy so remember, this is December, 2019. I'm learning all of this and we're going into everyone's favorite year. I know, right? <laughs> Do we even have to talk about it right now? Right. <laughs> so I called my surgical team who was going to do my hysterectomy. I said, am I going to be healed in time? I need to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I'm like, and they're like, you're cutting it really close because it was going to be that six week, you know, right at it. And they're yeah. like, and I'm like, I swear I will do it as soon as I come back. I will. So I had it on Valentine's Day. The Super oh. Bowl was the weekend before. And so my poor husband, I had a hysterectomy on Valentine's Day. Thank goodness and, though, because yeah. February and then all of yeah. a sudden the world shut down. Yeah. So this is, you know, I had heard about COVID at this point and i was just like ah, it's on the other side of the world you know everything's fine and, but it was kind of crossing my mind by the time i had surgery it had made its way to seattle in that yep. nursing home yep. and so i'm like you know it's contained there it's it's fine it's only a few people nope. <laughs> no nope. um and looking back i kind of wonder if the super bowl was like this 
kind of escalated things, but um, because it was the biggest event of the country at that point in February. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I had my surgery, I'm in recovery, and in my 20s, I'd been known for going out and staying, you know, shutting down the bars and, you know, <laughs> till they closed and leaving with my friends. <laughs> my state shut down on my birthday 2020 and i'm like i shut the state down <laughs> yeah so now that's what you're known for everyone blames yeah. you i bet yeah yeah i'm like oh my god and so um i just remember thinking i still have a few weeks to go i can't get sick if i cough that's not gonna be good like this mm-hmm. is, i'm already like super bloated and not feeling great and then I started to panic. I'm like, oh, this is pretty serious. And I'm like, oh my gosh, whatever happened to wash your hands and cover your mouth is so much more than that now. And yep. now we're in lockdown and what does this mean? So I'm thinking, wait, please I- tell me you developed your app during COVID. Yes, yes, <laughs> because I had to wait another year. I'm on year two of no breasts yeah. and not sitting in my clothes and feeling like less of a woman. And telling my husband he could cheat on me because this isn't what he married. I'm like, yeah, I know. Right. And when I had that conversation with my husband, I'm like, look, I don't care if you cheat on me. Just don't tell me about it. He's like, you're crazy. (laughs) He's like, no. (laughs) That's not what that, no. Right. He's like, so tell us more about your app then. Tell us, tell us uh, it's feel for your life. That's the name of the app. Yeah. And I'm assuming people can get it anywhere you on your anywhere, yeah anywhere right? you can download an app you know in the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. So yep. during lockdown, when everybody was pretty much baking bread and growing plants, I decided <laughs> I I created an app. Um, I have a background in marketing and making websites and doing social media. I was coding back in the MySpace days when it was big. So I just kind of everything that I'd learned about, you know, technology, I learned how to develop an app. And when I was going through chemotherapy and my treatments, I learned that women weren't doing self-breast exams. When I came out with my cancer story to my friends in the world, I was just like, you know, I, you know, I found my lump because I do a self-breast exam uh, after my menstrual cycle. Y'all are doing them as well, right? And (laughs) crickets. Like women didn't know how to do a self-breast exam. They were afraid of their bodies or intimidated by their bodies or weren't comfortable in their bodies. And um, they didn't know what to do if they found a lump in their breast. Women are taking care of everyone else in their lives. They're putting them second. So, you know, you know, their health, their well-being is is, comes last. You know, they're taking care of their, their partners, their kids, their spouses you know, everyone else in their life, you know, some are taking care of their um, older parents who, who need help. They're volunteering at church at, you know, taking extra shifts at work. They're going to the, you know, kids activities, sports. Yes, they sure are. They're so busy and yeah. they never, and it's funny because you don't, it's not until you are faced with something like this, mm-hmm. then you can't do that anymore that you realize like, oh my gosh, what did I, like, what have I been doing? And now I need to focus on myself. Sometimes it's a little bit too late and you, and you can't. So that's what I teach here where I, where my business it's you just got to take care of yourself you have to be first period yeah so I 
Um, I created the app. I saw there were a couple things out there, but there was nothing out there that showed you how to do a self-breast exam, how to you know track and monitor changes in your breast, keeping up with them inside the app, setting reminders, telling you about your options for screenings, telling you about prophylactic measures, you know, surgeries, getting genetic testing, breast density, mm -hmm. not all in one place. So I saw what was out there. I'm like, I want to create something that's better than the, than what's out there. Mm -hmm. And um, in August of 2021, I became the first breast cancer patient to create an app with all of this functionality. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And it just blew up and um, went, it, it's just, crazy but well it's needed you know and uh i mean i use an app for almost everything mm -hmm. i've never used an app for this so i'm gonna have to go find that app again um it, listeners it is feel for your life is the name of the app and actually you can follow jessica her social um handles are the same thing feel for your life yeah. And you have a website too. It's feel yeah. for your life. Yeah. So when I came up with the name, I was taking a shower, literally watching my hair fall out of my head, my life go down the drain, literally. Yeah. And the shower that had been where a vulnerable place for me to do my self exams and where you, where I felt myself. So yeah. you'll, for your life, it just came to me. And I remember I got out of the shower the URL was available. All the social handles were available. And of I'm like, course. this needs to happen. So, of course. Yeah. So I created Feel for Your Life. It started as a social media project where I talked about my journey and mm -hmm. advocacy. And then I'm like, I want to reach more women. So I created an app. That's amazing. Um, for someone who, again, has been affected by breast cancer and still knows very a lot of women who are affected by breast cancer, um, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for doing that. And um, obviously, thank you so much for sharing your story here. Very vulnerable, but it's an amazing story that needs to be told so people are more aware um, of not only how to, you know, that you should check yourself every month, but that you are important enough to advocate for, you know, um, and ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, get another doctor if you're not happy with what you're hearing. Um, it's important to advocate for yourself. Um, Jessica, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners before I ask you the three questions that I ask every guest? Um, just download the app in the Google Play Store and the App Store. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's feel for your life, everyone. Download the app. Okay. Are you ready for my questions? My other let's, questions? Let's go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, when you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Oh my goodness. Most peaceful. First, what does peaceful look like? <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm, um, I'm working out. I'm in a zone where I'm working out and focused. And anytime that something is hard during my workout, I go back to the quote unquote pain that I felt during cancer. And I think, I've done this before. This is hard. I can get through this. I can, you know, I'm going to pass through it. And it's just this uh, Zen takes over me and yeah. this, uh, this peacefulness is like, yeah, I'm about to kill the rest of this workout. So that's nice. when I'm working out, yeah. your mindset's fabulous. Okay. A book. Have you read any books that you would recommend to someone, um, whether it's someone who's going through what you went through or just in general that people you would um, recommend like a life-changing book? Yeah. You know what? I just read, um, and I loved it. It's called funny how life works by Michael jr. He's a comedian 
who talks about how laughter has influenced his life, how laughter and comedy came into his life. And he started out like, I want to see like how I can, you know, the laughs people give to me for my jokes. And he got to where his life experience shifted his mindset to like, instead of seeing what kind of laughs I can get, what kind of, what can I give from my heart to them? Like, what can yeah. I give them that will make them laugh rather than like, what can I say to get them to laugh? Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. That sounds deep. Yeah. I loved his perspective. <laughs> so it, it has nothing to do with cancer, but I love, and it's a that's hilarious okay. book. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Last one. If money wasn't an object, what would you be doing? I would be um, providing resources to cancer patients and um, advocacy tools to women all over the world. I love that. That's fabulous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, everyone who's listening, I'll make sure I put her social handles in the podcast notes and the name of the app. Uh, maybe I can even find a link to the app <laughs> to make it easy for you. And it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I appreciate all the time that you took to spend telling your story. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. And everyone else, I will be back in just another moment. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back, just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.